If you would turn into your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in Ephesians 2, Matthew 11, and then Luke 3 and 4. I still have an hour and a half left to preach, so just, uh, just so you all know. No, just kidding. Sort of. Um, we're continuing our series on identity. On identity. And the theme verse for this series is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20, where Paul writes this, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And the big idea of the series we've been looking at week after week is this. We have a creator and redeemer who has fashioned us and purchased us by his own blood. We are his and he defines us, not the world, friends, family, accomplishments, or even ourselves. We are his kids and knowing what the father thinks about us will change everything. So we've been looking at a series talking about our identity in Christ And it's a humbling series because it forces us to push against the cultural worldview that says your identity is primarily found within. What you feel about yourself is who you are. But that, in fact, is a lie. It is not true that what you feel about yourself is who you are. Actually, it is what God says about you is who you are. And he has created us And then he bought us with his own blood. And we're his. We're not our own. So he gets to tell us who we are, what we're about, how we're to live in this world. So that's what this series has been about. And today, we're looking at being free and light. Free and light. And in some ways, this is kind of a summation of a lot of what we've been saying so far, but I want us to just look at these three passages, Ephesians 2, Matthew 11, Luke 3, and 4. The message is in two parts. Number one, we're going to look at walking work. That's who we are. We're walking work. We're the work of God. We're walking around as the work of God. Secondly, we're going to look at an example. What does it look like to walk freely and lightly in this world? And then we're going to pray and be finished. So let me pray for us. And then we're going to go after Ephesians 2. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this family. Thank you that we get to gather together. We get to experience you. We get to experience you with each other. We get to pray for one another. We get to rejoice in really awesome things that are happening. We get to weep with those who are experiencing really difficult things. But all of this is because you are our Father in Christ Jesus. We get family. And so I thank you this morning that as a family, we get to look at your word together. And Jesus, we honor you. You are our older brother. You are our king and our savior. You are the Lord. You are the creator and you are the redeemer. We honor you. We ask that you would come and manifest your presence here in this place. 
I ask, Lion of Judah, that you would roar and shake off the sleepiness of this world here in the room. I ask, Lion of Judah, that you would roar and wake up your body. That you would roar over sleepy minds and deaf ears in the room. Holy Spirit, come and roar in this place. That we would see Jesus in all of his glory. That we would not be tempted by lesser joys and lesser glories, but that we would be obsessed with Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Give us eyes and hearts for Jesus alone. Wake your church, Jesus. Wake your church, Jesus. We confess sleepiness. We confess dullness toward you. We confess blahness towards you. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will come and bring fire for Jesus. Bring fire for the Holy One. whose name is above every name. The Holy One who is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy One who deserves every knee bowed and every tongue confessing that He is Lord. Jesus, wake your church. We confess us-centeredness. I confess Jamie-centeredness in my life. We confess Marymount Church-centeredness. We confess self-centeredness. Oh, Holy Spirit, make us Jesus-centered people. Make us Jesus-centered in our homes and in our workplaces. Make us Jesus-centered in our relationships. Oh, Jesus, come. Jesus, come. And all God's people said, amen. Ephesians 2, verse 10. I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will see (laughs) and hear what the Lord is saying. Ephesians 2, verse 10, for we, someone say we. we. So is that just me or is it all y'all? It's us, usins, believers. Yes, that's the text in me, all y'all, okay? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I just want to say again to you, your life is not about you, it is about God. So much so that we're not even our own workmanship, we're God's workmanship. Are y'all seeing it in the text? Like, it's not about you. (laughs) And we wake up so many days thinking, I I gotta go do this thing. I gotta make a career of my life. I gotta raise these kids. Anybody? I got I got to, I got to. 
But actually, the biblical worldview is that, no, actually, we're God's work. That he's doing something. And that we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. And God has actually prepared these specific works before time began. It was in the mind and in the heart of the Father for you to do specific things and to walk into good works. See, it changes your life when you realize actually before time began, the Father had tomorrow morning in mind for me. And he has a plan for tomorrow morning with me. And he wants to partner up with me so that your Monday is not about you. Your Monday is about what was in the mind and the heart of God the Father from eternity past for you that he wants to walk with you tomorrow. And there's something about knowing that that actually creates something inside of us. You know what it is? It's called, ah, it's not about me. (laughs) It actually creates freedom and lightness. So many people are so stressed because you think, oh, I've got to do it or my life will turn out bad, right? I've got to do all the right things. I've got to meet the right person, right? I've got to make sure I find this one specific person. (gasps) But actually, you're God's workmanship. He's the boss. So actually, it creates freedom and lightness when we let God do what God is going to do in our life. And we tell him that you are the boss. You are the boss, God. And he says these good works... God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, is God really interested in your stride? Is that, is that what he's talking about? What does walk in them mean? Is that literally the way that you walk? Is that what it means? Well, the, the phrase to walk refers to the way that you live your life. <laughs> it refers to everything, not just your church life, but all of your life. That the way that you walk, the way that you live your life actually is the good works that the Father has prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. I'm, I'm stressing this point because many of us do not think about a staff meeting tomorrow as the work of God through me. We think, I got to make some great plan and be a great leader. Is, is it just me or is anybody hearing this? That <laughs> we are His workmanship. Now, I've already preached that sermon, so let's, let's keep going. Matthew 11. Let's switch over to Matthew 11. <laughs> Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Because you may say, Jamie, what are you talking about free and light? What are you talking about? Feels a little, feels a little comfortable. Feels a little North American Christianity. Feels a little like, what are you doing here? Isn't the Christian walk supposed to feel like a beatdown? That feels a little bit soft, Jamie. Free and light. Okay. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. This is Jesus. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Stress and anxiety. Is that what he said? He said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy And my burden is light. I showed a picture last week. I'm going to show it again of yoke. That wooden beam right there is a yoke. The picture is Jesus is on one side, 
you're yoked up to Jesus on the other side. He says, we're going to do this together. We're going to push together. We're going to work together. It's almost like the good works that God has prepared for us in Christ Jesus from before time began. Are you seeing the connection here? It's almost like if I just let Jesus be the boss, like he's going to, he and I are working together on this thing. Eugene Peterson in the message translation, really a paraphrase of scripture, translates or paraphrases this passage this way. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You were created to commune with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to live your life free and light. The challenge of that, of course, is this. How many of us are experiencing 24-7 freedom and lightness? I think it's one of the great joys of life is to learn what it means to walk with Jesus in deeper and deeper understanding and to experience deeper and deeper freedom from myself and from sin and brokenness, from the opinions of others, from the approval of others, from the need for achievement, from the need to be known. Actually, we get to be free of these things. We get to be free from condemnation. We get free from guilt and shame. We get free. Why? Because Jesus has died on the cross for those things, for us. And then he was raised on the third day, triumphant over those things. And yet, the enemy has convinced us that we should continue to walk in those things that Jesus put to death on the cross. Did you know that you're being lied to? You are called to live free and light in Jesus. You say, okay, Jamie, how how do we get there? How, How do we do that? Well, apparently it means yoked up to Jesus. Now, in our culture, we talked about this last week, our culture doesn't understand yoking. So I found this picture. I think it's super helpful. This is what it looks like. This is in in our culture. Because what happens? I got one foot in the potato sack, and Jesus has one foot in the potato sack, and now we're going to have to walk together. Like where Jesus steps, I have to step. Are are you all seeing this? And if Jesus is going that way, I can't go this way because of the potato sack. So if I'm yoked up to Jesus, that means where's Jesus going Monday morning? And I better be going that way. Or I'm not going to experience rest. What's Jesus doing in my family life? Or in my workplace? Because apparently walking with Jesus is learning what it means to be free and light in life. So, practically, what we're going to do in 10 minutes, apparently, we're we're going to look at an example of walking freely and lightly. And I'm just going to make a couple of comments, then we're going to pray. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring breakthrough. So turn with me to Luke chapter 3. Let's, let's look at what someone walking freely and lightly. Let's look at someone walking freely and lightly. Because apparently this someone is not just anyone. His name is Jesus. And apparently we're yoked up, potato sack, with Jesus. 
So let's look at the way Jesus walks freely and lightly in chapters 3 and 4. And let's see if the Holy Spirit might uh, identify some things that we can put into place individually and as a church family to walk freely and lightly with Jesus. We'll do this quickly. A couple of things. First, Jesus is free and light because he has a loving triune family. It's in the text. I can't read all of this, but you see it in verse 21 of chapter 3. Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus had been baptized. He was praying. The heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. We see this one of the Trinitarian passages in Scripture where the Father, Son, and Spirit are at play, and you see that Jesus' entry into ministry, he has not done anything yet. He has not achieved anything. He He has not got the approval of anyone. He hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead. He's done nothing yet in ministry, and yet the Father says, that's my boy in whom I love. And then the Spirit of God actually comes and descends. And we've been talking about that we actually get this same entrance into the triune family by grace through faith in Christ. But I want you to see right after that, verses 23 through 38, is the genealogy of Jesus. And if we look at Matthew's genealogy and Luke's genealogy, we see, and if you just look at the entire Old Testament, you see there's a lot of jacked up stuff in Jesus' past. Is that fair? There's a lot of jacked up stuff. And yet, it seems that Jesus is considered beloved by the Father regardless of what his ancestors had done. That his past, past mistakes in family line did not determine his identity. He's free of the past. Are you you seeing what I'm saying here? And that as awesome as these ancestors are in Jesus' life, actually the primary um, identifier of Jesus, of who he is, is he is a beloved one of the Father and the Spirit. I, I want to encourage you. You want to be free and light? Stop looking at everyone else to bring you love and purpose in life when you have the infinite creator of the universe who loves you infinitely. So, so you, you don't need mom and dad's approval to be identified as someone significant. You have the father's approval, big F, father's approval. Are y'all hearing me right now? Some of, many of us are not free and light because we're still thinking about someone else. If I could just, if I could get their approval. Because they, they, they told me what achievement looks like. They told me what being loved, I have to do X, A, B, C, D, E so that I can be loved. Many of us are not free and light because we are continuing to look at previous generations and previous voices in our ears saying, this is what you should do. No, 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 you should do none of that. You should come to the Father by grace through faith in Christ Jesus who died on the cross for you and was raised on the third day for you. You want to be free in light? Join a new family called the Father, Son, and Spirit. This is good, and I'm only on number two. <laughs> Another way to be free in light is to be open-handed in your following of God. Look at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted 
by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. I'm going to do this quick. When we feel locked up and tight, not free and light, but we feel locked up and tight, it's because we think that we're the master of our lives. And if I was the master of this story, I would have never gone into the wilderness for 40 days and fasted. I can tell you that right now. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And yet, somehow, even being led by, by the Spirit into 40 days of fasting, Jesus is experiencing freedom and lightness. I just want to encourage you, the ways of God are not like your ways. The thoughts of God are not like your thoughts. You want to be free and light. Learn the rhythm of, Father, what are you doing? Oh, you're over here? Okay. I've experienced more of the kingdom of God (laughs) by walking into circumstances where I did not know what was supposed to happen. I said, Spirit, you're the boss. What do you want to do? That's called freedom. You don't have to make it happen this week, church. Your main responsibility is not to make it happen, uh, prove yourself. Actually, your main responsibility is to walk open-handed with the Lord. We going this way? Great. Oh, going this way? Great. You You want me to say that to this person? Great. You want me to not say that to this person? Great. Are y'all, y'all hearing this right now? That's what walking freely and lightly looks like. Someone else is the boss of your life. Then Jesus' identity is threatened, and there's actually three threats. They're all, they're all tied to identity. The three threats and temptations that come towards Jesus are all tied to identity. One, his feelings and desires. Two, achievement, accomplishing something significant, which is that that. Satan said, I'll give you all authority and glory if you'll just do it my way. And then the third thread, of course, is in the area of approval. Satan is tempting Jesus to do something that would get the approval and the attention of everyone around him. See, these are the three main threats to your identity. My identity is based in my feelings and desires. Oh, make these stones into bread because you're hungry. If you're the son of man, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Secondly, if you'll worship me, I will give you all the authority of the world. By the way, Jesus is going to get all the authority, right? The question is, is Jesus going to do it by being God's workmanship or Satan's workmanship? That's the main difference there. Satan is offering him to achieve something outside of the will of God. By the way, the same thing that he is going to achieve in the will of God. So our identity cannot be based in achieving something. How how many of us have performance issues? Some of you are like, I don't. Okay. Did you know that Jesus was tempted with with performance issues in the second temptation? The very thing that you, you came to do, Jesus, I'll give it to you. The very thing you came to achieve, I'll give it to you. Identity threatened by achievement and then approval. Wanting other people to see you as significant. Go up to the top of that temple and, and jump down. The angels will come and la, 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 right? And then all the people will be like, whoa. Again, his identity, his, this approval thing and his identity. 
Those are the three threats. Feelings, desires, achievement, and approval. Fourthly, word and spirit. Y'all already know this. What are, the, what are the ways in which Jesus resisted temptation? Oh, everybody knows the answer to this. With the word, right? It's interesting. Uh, Satan uses the word to tempt Jesus. And then Jesus uses the word to refute the temptations. Are you seeing it in the text? You want to know how to live free and lightly? Uh, you need to be in the word, friend. You need to know the word. It's interesting. Um, I've lived a lot of my life on a sort of, sort of classic idea of like you need to do your quiet time, get your 15 minutes in a day, check off the box, make sure you read. If you're going to read the Bible through in a year, you've got to make sure that you get your chapters done so that you can get all the way through, get your 15 minutes of prayer, get your intercessory list, all of this stuff, right? And by the way, I'm not against any of that. Really, really helpful. The problem is if you consider these things as little boxes to be checked, actually they will become uh, weights to you, not freedom and lightness. Are you all hearing what I'm about to say? Like, actually, if I just, I have to read 15 minutes a day, and it actually becomes just a task, it can become achievement and approval to show everybody else that I read. But actually, if I come to the Word, and I think to myself, actually, I get to commune with the creator of the universe. He wrote this thing for me. I get to meet him in the text, and the Spirit will open it up to me, and I can't wait to get into the text. If I approach it that way, it's much different. Do you see? But some of us, because we've done the achievement approval thing with the check off the box for 15 minutes, it got boring. The Bible got boring. We didn't get anything out of it, so then we just stopped reading. I'm going to tell you right now, if you are not regularly, daily in the Word, you are dying spiritually. And when the enemy comes and tempts you, you will not have enough of the Word in you to resist. Now you will say, yes, of course, we will not be tempted beyond more than we can bear, and God will make a way. Yes and amen. But that's scripture. And if you don't know that scripture, you're in trouble. Are you all hearing me right now? That's good. After a couple of days of not reading the word, I actually feel myself spiritually emaciated. I can feel it. And I want to encourage you, not in a legalistic check the box, but in the fact that if you are not consuming, the, the Bible is considered food for us to eat. Remember what Jesus said? I think it's Deuteronomy 6 that he's quoting. Man should not live by bread alone, but what? But by every word that proceeds from the Father. You may be eating all your quesadillas and taquitos, but if you're not eating the word, you're dying. Are y'all hearing me? I want to encourage regular daily consumption of the word. Well, Jamie, I, I come to church on Sundays and I'm listening to No, that doesn't, that doesn't count. I've consumed the word and then I'm talking to y'all. Y'all are eating breadcrumbs off of something that I've consumed. Are y'all hearing this? If you think that Sunday morning just hearing somebody read the word means you have consumed it. No, it's like a mama bird is regurgitating it to a baby bird. That's what that is. You ain't eating nothing. You are eating regurgitated, nutrient-sucked-out bread. I know it's hard. That's why we make it fun. Listen to me. Like, Jamie, why are you making such a big deal? Why, why are you making such a big deal? Listen to me. You are being fed truth claims and worldview claims all day. <laughs> You're being fed worldview and truth claims all day, every day. If you're not consuming actual truth, what do you think is happening to you during the week? 
I, I'm not saying this like you should be scared of something. No, no, no. I'm saying eat and live so that when you are confronted with an alternate truth claim, alternate worldview claim, you go, huh, yeah, man does not live by bread alone. Because you've consumed something that counters unbiblical worldview. I'm not talking about 15 minute. I'm not talking about checking off a box. I'm talking about life. You want to be free and light? Consume the word daily. Well, Jamie, I'm just not a reader. There's audiobooks. It's fantastic. Listen to the word. Get the word in you. You need to consume the word or you will not withstand the threats against your identity. And you will not live free and light. Consume the word. Whatever it takes, get it in you.